Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. Got an interesting one for you today. Melissa Berry's my guest. You know, you spend 20 years in the cancer advocate space. You think you meet everyone. It's a a small group of leadership and folks. We kind of all know each other. Like any industry, there's like really six of us. And we just, you know, scooby-doo ourselves into other rooms all the time. But Melissa Berry has been around a while, you know, for the right and wrong reasons. She's a triple negative breast cancer survivor. And amongst the many things that make her interesting is she comes from the world of fashion. Before she was diagnosed, she was what she calls a fashionista, which, by the way, I, I, I trace the history of fashionista back to its roots. We discussed that on the show. But she's here today to just be on the show because we had not really officially met ships in the night for so many years. And finally, finally, here we are today in studio, Melissa Berry. She is the Cancer Fashionista online at, you guessed it, Cancer Fashionista. Just search that. She's also a fellow podcaster with her show, Dear Cancer, I'm Beautiful, quote, bridging the gap between life-saving cancer treatment and fashion, beauty, and wellness. It's a fun show, another Gen X throwback show. She's here. It's fabulous. Enjoy. Melissa Berry, I'm so excited. We kind of just met. It's a little Carly Rae Jepsen right now, but we became fast friends through a mutual friend, and I- I'm so thrilled you could make it here to the studio. Welcome to Out of Patience. Thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, any excuse to jump in an Uber from New Jersey is uh, is a wonderful opportunity. The Hudson River <laughs> is a bit of a Berlin Wall sometimes, so sometimes. welcome to my island. Thank you very much. So we met again through a mutual friend in pharma because we have... I would say we have the best and worst in common. We're both creative artists. We're both broadcasters. We both work in media and understand the way, you know, shit happens in the country. But we also are members of a club no one wants to belong to. And it's all sorts of sad crap and happy crap and nothing's great. But would you say it's a terrible privilege to be here today? No, it's this is a wonderful privilege. It really is. Did I want to land here via breast cancer? Absolutely not. But uh, if uh, I had to land somewhere after going through some shit like that, you know, I'm happy to be here. My dad would say every day about the grass is a great day. You agree? Yeah. How would you not agree? No, I disagree. <laughs> Everyone should be under the grass. All right, I need to ask what kind of Jew are you? Because there's two kinds. There's the kind that is, um, it's not a problem until it's a problem, or it's only a problem if there's no problem. I know you're not going to like the answer. I'm a little bit of both. I think I tend to catastrophize more than anything else. So you're catastrophe fluid. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I love to catastrophize. I think it's my survival instinct in a sense. And maybe it's uh, because of breast cancer. I don't know. Right. How many years are you out now? Ten. Ten, like 
today or just 10 this year? 10 this year. It'd be funny uh, if it was today by accident. Well, my birthday's tomorrow, but that's another story. Your birth- As of today's <laughs> taping, I think, what's today, August something? August 11th. Yeah, so happy birthday in advance retroactively when the show broadcasts. Absolutely. 39 Thank you so again? much. Yeah, exactly. You know it. 39 again. I mean, for 52. You kidding me? No. All right. Well, you have a face for television, not for radio. You look great. Oh, thank you. But you're not really 52. I am. And I'm actually really excited to turn 52. I, I was just saying to a friend of mine, like, you know, a lot of women at this age, you know, you know, oh, I'm getting so old. You know, after having breast cancer, I'm like, bring it. I just I love every year. Do you feel like I'm just going to leap into this because there's a lot of, I don't know, I would say survivor guilt on how did I look this great afterwards and how do other people not look this great afterwards? And I say this with like a degree of asterisk love. There's a spectrum of what happens to you in the wake of this. And you look fabulous. Thank you. And there's a lot of invisibility to this as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, look, uh, first of all, uh, my parents both look very young for their age. So I think it's genetically, I just look younger and I'm grateful for those genes. And I think that, you know, a lot of it is how we embrace it emotionally. I think, you know, so much of how we process everything can show on the outside and I didn't, and you're very kind. I didn't look like this ten years ago. This is an evolution. It's 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 a chipping away process, and I still have days that that are horrible. We all do, you know, for whatever reason. It's not it may not be cancer related, but we all have our trauma. I'm divorced uh, six years now. You know, we have we go through a lot in this life. Yogi Berra said, "If life were easy, we'd all do it." Exactly. So there you go. There you go. Yogi Berra for the win every time. Absolutely. A little history lesson question. Going back, because we're, we're starting at the same census checkbox at this point now. I recall I was drafted into this in the 1990s, of course, and everything was different back then. But I remember that there was a genuine understanding that how you looked mattered to how you felt through cancer for women, not for men, which is fine. a different universe. And there was a program called Look Good, Feel Better. Yes. And I was like, this is amazing. But why do I know about this and not everyone else? But it morphed into this wonderful early young breast cancer ecosystem of groups that we know of, Sharet, Triple Negative, Young Survivor Coalition, and they were so mindful of your quality of life. Did you feel that 10 years ago that your quality of life mattered to your care team or that we were just worried about numbers and data? To be completely transparent, I feel like the quality of life piece was given to me. It was in my hands. And I think that's why I ended up starting Cancer Fashionista, because I think that my doctors saved my life. And I'm so grateful for that. But as far as where to get my lashes or where to get the wig from or where to get beautiful post mastectomy bras or even funny little things like, oh, you need a, you know, a satin pillowcase is really helpful when your hair is falling out. These funny little nuancey things that your doctors just don't have the time or bandwidth to share with you. I felt like, those really helped me through some of the darkest chapters of my life. I mean, would you expect the doctor to know all these things or it, it, it can't be that easy to just find them by accident, right? Absolutely not. But I do think it would be great for doctors to know that resources like myself look good, feel better, share it, that, that, you know, to at least be able to turn their patients to, to these resources so they know that they exist so they can, you know, really reap the benefits of them. So I did a little Wikipedia for you. Do you know the origin of the word fashionista? No, tell me. It's not that old. I'm like, is it Latin? No, it's not. Is it Aramaic? No, it's not. The word originally appeared in, I'm reading this uh, verbatim, uh, listeners. The word originally appeared in Freed's biography of supermodel Gia Cargani, The Thing of Beauty, The Tragedy of Supermodel Gia. 
invented in 1992 as a way to refer to large entourages surrounding supermodels at a photo shoot. Eventually, the definition of fashionista expanded to include a very fashionable person or a wearer of high fashion clothing. I love this, and I love the, the Gia story. It's 30 years old, fashionista. Wow. Look at that. That means we're really old, because 1992 was 30 years ago. We are ancient. <laughs> we're like dinosaurs, Matthew. Oh, my God. I'm, I'll make a kind of analogy here. I, I've interviewed a lot of people who are doctors. They were doctors before they were diagnosed. They were doctors while they were diagnosed, and they're doctors post-diagnosis. Your history in media and fashion and retail and glam, did that come in handy or did it hurt you in terms of your experience going through this? It came in handy big time because before I was a publicist, I was also a fashion editor. So I, I love – and a journalist. So I love digging for information. I love finding resources. So for me, like it, – it, it was almost like my uh, response mechanism to breast cancer. Once I knew that I wasn't going to die, I'm like, how am I going to look and feel not like a supermodel? I just want to feel like Melissa going through this process. And finding the wigs, the lashes, the bras, it was one thing to find it for myself, but then to be able to share it with other women was where the magic really hit for me. But I definitely feel like my background gave me sort of like the 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 drive. It was like the the catalyst to me wanting to to find resources and knowing how to find them and and loving the the um, experience of speaking with you know the inventors of these of these brands and like women like Dana Donafrey behind Anna Ono and like you know actually getting to know them and and their why behind their mission just started to unfold a whole other world to me. Oh, uh, so. You commented before that your your pulchritude is based on congenital benefits of your parents. Uh, so was your breast cancer, wasn't it? Absolutely. There was a lot of breast cancer in my family. And I have the BRCA gene. My mother had breast cancer. Her mother had breast cancer. My, I mean, pretty much every woman on my mother's side of the family had breast cancer. All on the left breast, too, which is kind of weird. Lefties? Yeah. Well, are you a lefty for real? No. So you're lefty, booby, righty, righty. Exactly. Very nice. I just made that up. <laughs> Maybe we'll cut that. I have no idea what's going to happen at this point now. I don't believe in cutting stuff, Matthew. Leave it. B-roll, no such thing. <laughs> Who needs B-roll? I love the paid forward model. The paid forward model is someone should have a less crappy time than me. And what can I do to help that happen? When did that happen for you? Because everyone's going through it. It's nightmarish. It's tragic. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's not fantastic at all. At what point do you say to yourself, I'm ready to figure out how to help other people? Or was that like from day one? I think it was a, a moment where I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. And I felt empty and I felt scared and I took out a tube of lipstick and I put on a pair of funky earrings and I tried different wigs on and I thought, you know what, this sucks, but I don't have to sit in it. I, there, there are things that I can do to change my appearance that will make me feel better and, and it did and it sounds superficial, but it's really not and I think so much of how we look is uh, it, it affects our mental health. So if you don't feel like confident and well enough, if you don't feel beautiful enough to even go on a Zoom call with with your team or go to drop your kids off at school, pick up milk at the supermarket, that's a problem. 
And that's why I say I didn't want to look, I didn't need to look like a supermodel. I just wanted to felt good, feel good enough to just be in my normal everyday life and not be self-conscious or not feel like I was, you know, like I looked sick. Well, you had kids in middle school when you were diagnosed. Yes. What was that like? It was really, really hard. And I remember like, this is really sad. Like I remember thinking to myself, I'm so glad that I am going through chemo in the summer so I don't have to go to pick up at school or drop off because I I didn't know how to answer the question and I didn't really want to worry about what people were going to say and think when I show up with a wig on or like I have a scarf on my head. And I feel like something that I really try and do is take the shame away. I wanted to hide and I don't think any woman should ever have to feel that way because of cancer, because it as it is, it, it can rob so much of you, you know, losing your breast is like an amputation losing your hair is so defeminizing so you know when you're putting yourself out in the world there there is just such a, a vulnerability to that because you're dealing with not just the disease but how do I look on the outside to everyone else and it's scary it triggered a little 90s frenzy in my brain because back in those days you, you wouldn't you couldn't even say the word cancer it was a whisper campaign mm. Matt's got the cancer right that was really mm. what this was and even in like there was no film and television. Everyone died. If there was a cancer in a, in a movie, everyone just died. It was a very, very different time. And I look at like better problems to have today is, you know, you were diagnosed through a mammogram, which I would say is probably the least worst way to get diagnosed, right? You, right. Went for, you did the right thing. You were at the right time and it was right there. Exactly. I mean, um, I and that's the crazy thing about triple negative breast cancer. It's a very aggressive, fast growing cancer. And so I had an MRI just a couple of months before my mammo. And it was the one time I was being treated at Sloan. And it was the one time my doctor was like, Melissa, don't schlep into the city for your mammo. Like go, go to a local New Jersey hospital. And I did. Now I'm at a local New, Jer- New Jersey hospital. I don't know the doctors. I don't have anyone with me. And of course I'm like in my fashionista self going, I have a call with Vogue in an hour, like, like chop, chop. Like let's get, this is where my head was. I'm like, I just need to get in and out. Like it was, you know, going for a nail appointment. Right. And, uh, I remember going in and the technician said, well, I need to do a clinical, which is where they feel your breasts. And I was like, well, I already, you know, did that. I just had my MRI. And she said, no, this is it's protocol. And she felt my left breast and she said, I feel something. And she put a sticker on it. And that's when I was like like, a price tag. (laughs) No, (laughs) this is not a time to joke. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, like um, it was like a like a just a little marker sticker. And um And that's when I knew that I was in trouble. And then she said, let's have you go in for a mammogram. And they didn't see it on the mammo. This is all in one day. And then they sent me into another room and said, let's do a deep needle biopsy. And now I'm like, at the time I was married, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like down to 2%. And now I'm starting to freak out because I don't have anyone with me. My phone's 2%. Like, what the heck? I was supposed to be out of here like two hours ago. And um, I'll never forget, they did the deep needle biopsy and the, and the doctor came in and he said, it's, it's with the two other nurses. It was like, a, it was like a dream, like my head was spinning. It felt so surreal. And he's like, you, you have breast cancer. I was like, what? I remember thinking like, not that, it's like, can't be the actual breast cancer. This is totally a weird mistake. And then I remember, um, calling my oncologist, I was on the phone with him on the way to my dad's apartment, which was close by because at the time my my husband was at work. And um, 
I remember saying to my oncologist, like I was just in such a state and I'm like, should I be concerned? He was like, yeah. I mean, and, and so the next day that I went for my consult at Sloan, it was the same day that Angelina Jolie came out with her news about having um, a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. And I remember saying, why did, why isn't, why wasn't this on the table? Why wasn't this something that we really talked about doing? And, you Well, know, especially as someone that was, had pre-risk. Absolutely. And listen, this could be a whole other podcast episode. And there's so many schools of thought on this. Um, the previver conversation. Yes, a absolutely. Separate show. Yeah. Absolutely. But of course, in hindsight, I wish I had done that without a doubt. And it's always easier in hindsight. Um, my medical team's, you know, uh, approach was we're going to monitor you. And that was the path that I chose. So now I couldn't go back. I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And then I remember sitting with my breast surgeon and she was sketching like the different, you know, surgeries. And I was again, I was like almost like spacing out. I'm like, wait, I'm losing my breasts. And she was like, yes. And I'm like, wait, so do I need chemo? And she was like, yeah, you're going to it's triple negative breast cancer. You're going to need chemo. And I'm like, well, not the kind where my hair falls out. She was like, well, no, you're, yeah, you're going to lose your hair. So this was just very matter of fact, so much to process maybe not as matter of fact as I just said it, but that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like, well, yeah. Let's go to break on a, on a joke that you probably won't find funny. Because I've had many, many, I've had Haley on the show. We talk about Haley Dunnerman. I've had many triple negative breast cancer patients on this show, the old show. And there, some of them are like, I heard triple negative breast cancer. Like, that's great, right? Negative? No, it's not. Was that a moment for you? I didn't even know that there were different types of breast cancers, uh, let alone triple negative. It sounded triple bad to me, actually. And uh, I remember my oncologist said, yeah, you know, triple negative gets a bad rap. But the only good thing about it is after five years, the chance of a recurrence is slim to none. So that was kind of like my guiding light for a while. Well, that's a good handrail to hang on to, I suppose. Absolutely. All right, Melissa Berry, the cancer fashionista right here live in studio at Offscript Studios. We'll be right back after the break. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
All right, we're back with Melissa Berry, and I want to go back to, I mean, let's pretend we were 35 and not, you know, <laughs> the age we are now. In the mid-2000s, the young adult cancer survivorship world was finally getting activated. There were hundreds of thousands of us getting together. There were dozens of nonprofit organizations, you know, Live Strong and Stupid Cancer and and and, and uh, Young Survivor Coalition and Cancer Cures, all these wonderful organizations, this cottage industry, if you would, of, of advocates that didn't know what they could do with the power of this community they were, they were building amongst ourselves. But one thing that really hit me was that as an extension of the breast cancer wars, again, history junkie here, um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was running the DNC under Obama at the time, got breast cancer. And everyone glommed onto her for the right reasons. Like we have to pass policy now that you're part of the club that, you know, welcome to the club. Right. We're sorry you're here, but, you know, good problem to have that you are dealing with this now. Mm-hmm. She passed a bill, uh, they call the Early Act. And I actually wrote down it's an acronym that only Congress could write. The Young Women's Breast Health Education and Awareness Requires Learning Young Act. That's not even grammar no. of 09. But the early act did something fantastic in terms of actually affecting the policy for the well-being and the dignity of women with breast cancer, which is it mandated – I don't know if it's still there because of politics, that every woman with breast cancer that gets a mastectomy has reconstruction covered by insurance for the rest of their life. Hmm. And it was amazing. And I don't even know if it's followed or practiced anymore because, A, it should be. It's the law. But I look at that as the perspective of here's what people can actually do on a practical political level Mm -hmm. to mandate these things that you deserve. And it was based on something called iatrogenic recompense, which basically means – You have to violate Hippocrates to save a life. And the dignity of femininity and womanhood should be restored for free. I could not agree more. Absolutely. I mean, that it really it shouldn't be uh, uh, an elective thing to reconstruct your breasts. Right. Or to even have flat closure just to be able to have closure. Right. On every level. How do you feel about the way in which celebrities come out these days with breast cancer? Because I go back to like when Melissa Etheridge and Sheryl Crow um, and Kylie Minogue were coming out. And it was like they were jeopardizing their careers at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really case by case. I think that it's wonderful if a celebrity feels that they want to share and help with the cause. I, I think it's it's great. I mean, it's a lot to put yourself out there because I think at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? So when you're going through something like this, to put it out there um, into the masses, then, you know, it, it's uh, it could also be really, I would imagine, scary because there's a lot of people then saying, oh my God, are you okay? Are you going to die? Like, you know, to be able to just process it with yourself and your family sometimes needs to be a very private thing. But I think it's really important. And I, I can, I, I, I think it's really, I praise the celebrities that do share because the more, you know, voices that we have to be able to make change. That's, you know, what, that's why you and I are even sitting here, right? Because it, it's, it sucks for a celebrity to get breast cancer, but if they can use their, their audience, their reach to be able to make change, then I think it could be a really positive thing. Reminds me of all the times I got resumes to hire people at Super Cancer all those years. And honestly, they were asking me, do I have to have cancer to work here? Mm. It's like, of course you can't. You don't know. Break every OSHA violation on the planet. But honestly, if they happen to have had it, it's an odd like box to check. Is is that fair? Yeah, it is an odd box to check. And even today, like when I'm filling 
I'm going to a new doctor. Isn't it weird for you too, right? It's like, it's like, yes, I've had cancer. Sometimes to actually see it like on paper, it really makes it so real, even though we're living it every day. And I think a lot of times because I'm advocating and helping others, like I tend to not, and I'm 10 years out, I tend to not look at my own cancer as much anymore. It's like telling someone else's story, isn't it? It really, oh my God, that's exactly what it's like. I'm 27 years out. I tell someone else's story. It happens to be mine. Wow. It's absolutely bizarre that way. It is. I'm just realizing it now, like as we're talking, because I've been sensing it lately, but it's, there was something about hitting 10. It just feels so far away from me. So someone, my, my oncologist told me that I'm, I'm easily going to die of something else at this point, which is like just good Jewish cancer comedy at the, you know, he's, he's a really funny guy. He's never <laughs> she mentioned. You're going to know me in this sense. And I look back and say to myself, Hey, how the hell am I still here? And what do I do with myself? How have you repurposed yourself given your history? You're complete. By the way, I'm in awe of your media. You're, you're well-branded. You know exactly the right things to do and say. Everything is just so well-organized, thoughtfully put together. So bravo from an Omnicom nerd. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That. Thank you. How have you specifically leveraged your yourself into this platform you already had? Because I want to get to your website, your talks. Uh, I'm waiting for the book, but your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate that. I mean, I... I, if you take a step back, I went from like full-time publicist to breast cancer advocate and it took a few years, but I, I made the, the decision to do this full-time. And what's really interesting, you just made me think of it, is literally right before I was diagnosed, I started to teach a public relations class at FIT for pre-college, for high school students. And I was like really at the height of my PR career and then boom, breast cancer. So fast forward, I feel like my my big shift, my purpose is I like to think of myself as the big sister. I never had a sister before, but I feel like when you're when you have a, a big sister and you're going on a first date, like, oh my God, what do I wear? Or like, that's how it is with cancer. Like, wait, where do I get my wigs from? What should I do about my lashes? When do you shave your head? Like, you know, um, what, you know, when do I tell a guy, you know, what date do I tell him that I have reconstructed breasts? Like all of those things, I like to think of myself as, as a big sister. And, you know, what's really cool is that from the cancer fashionista piece of it, which is fashion, beauty, like all the like the glamour girl stuff, I've now evolved really into advocacy. So I, I like to think of myself as like a hybrid. I'm sort of like sex in the city with a side of breast cancer. Wait, so all right, I, I then have to ask, uh, and just like that, good or bad? I don't like it. I don't like I'm it either. I'm so sorry. I want to like it so much. I want to, but I don't. I if anything, I I like to just really binge on the old school Sex yeah. in the City. I just I I can never get too much of it. All right. Well, if you answer this question, actually, if you respond to this name correctly, you're an official SATC fashionista, Capote Duncan. Huh. Who was that? Which character? He was Charlotte's like wooing human in episode one. Oh my god. Uh, well, does it count that I met Charlotte once? <laughs> you met her? Yes, I was Kristen Kristen uh, Davis. Yes, um, I was um, I was PR director for the sack. I don't remember the sack handbags, the crochet. I'm a guy. Uh, yeah, you, so you don't. But I anyway. have X and Y chromosomes. <laughs> so I was the PR director for a well-known handbag brand that was sold at Macy's and Bloomingdale's, and um, 
at the time Mademoiselle magazine, which doesn't exist anymore, was having a party in the Hamptons. And it was um, the cast from this. There were some cast members from Sex and the City that were there. And I had the opportunity to actually meet Kristen Davis. And she was amazing. Wow. I met uh, I actually met Sarah Jessica Parker also because I had to um, coordinate an Associated Press interview for her. And that was really cool. She's so tiny. I'm totally jealous. I learned what Birkins are and Manola blogs. And that's the extent (laughs) <laughs> and she left me a voicemail once and I saved it until I left my job. It was on oh. my my the, my work phone. It was ah. before cell phones. I couldn't save it. How I sad would like is that? got a cassette tape. And I just... should have just taken the damn thing with me. I know. That's amazing. All right. <laughs> End of the HBO Max. <laughs> I know. I really wish the whole episode could be about sex in the city. I know. Well, we could totally do that, too, because I, I, my, my wife and I, it's like, it's, and I've been a guilty pleasure. It's just a, an honest pleasure to go back and remember when they were in their 30s and we were in our 20s. Yeah, it's my favorite. So let's get to your podcast. I love meeting other podcasters who truly understand the art of radio and interviews and booking and the theater of it all. Wouldn't you say radio, which I just consider podcast talk radio, it's theater. It really is. It's uh, It could be very dramatic. It could be very emotional. And uh Oh, boy. I've learned a lot. I recently was speaking with the I was chatting with a a podcast expert, like a friend of a friend was like, you need to talk to this guy. And he was like, Melissa, honestly, the fact that you hit 100. I just hit 100 episodes about a month ago. And he was like, most people don't make it to 100. Do you know that? And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Do you agree? I'm at 700. Wow. Actually more, because if you count the first show I did, there were 540 of them. And I'm at like 390 now. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, this is my job. Yeah. I've been on the air since 07. <laughs> like, everyone's like, how do you do it? I was like, well, Mr. Beast was on YouTube in 2009. I've been doing this since 2007. That's, that's how I have all these shows. You really are the podfather. I want. I love being called that. It's so fantastic. As long as, because the godfather's like too old. Yeah. I'm way too young to be a godfather, but podfather I will take podfather. is very suiting. All right, so just going back to my only critique. Your podcast is not branded Cancer Fashionista. It's called Dear Cancer, I'm Beautiful. Reasons. I just wanted to really underscore the fact that we are beautiful no matter what, and cancer cannot take that away from you. And I wanted to make Dear Cancer, I'm Beautiful an extension of the Cancer Fashionista platform. And what's happened is that it's really evolved from... Like my first few episodes were focused on like boudoir photographers and post mastectomy bra designers and um, and makeup artists and and now what's happened, which is really cool, is I'm I'm, I'm just launching an advocacy series called Your Voice, Your Health because I feel like. I still want to continue talking about all the beautiful things, but I also want to talk about the issues and the hot topics and not just talk about them, but ways that we can actually as a community make some change yeah and i i again i stalked your entire catalog of shows all hundred of them and you you've done extraordinary shows i know pretty much all the famous people that have been on your shows because like we we were like venn diagrams of human beings at this point now (laughs) but one stood out and he's such an unsung hero um josh levin I love him. Lympha Divas has been around as the unsung hero heroine fashion brand for God knows how long. And man, I wish I could just like like elevate them to to international stardom. 
I could not agree more. He is such a gem of a human being. And I didn't realize. And that's why, Matthew, I love doing these podcast interviews because I really learned so much about the heart behind the brand and um, what kind of gets people to jump out of bed every morning. And he does it for his sister every single day. And they do it so beautifully. And I feel like they're almost like the Anna Ono of lymphedema. Like it's like screw you lymphedema like here's an awesome sleeve and if it's black that's fine but we also have 8,000 prints you mentioned Anna Ono twice I know them as well but <laughs> just for the listeners what is Anna Ono how do you spell it what is it doing absolutely Anna Ono is A-N-A-O-N-O and it's my favorite post-mastectomy brand um, founded by one of my dearest friends Dana Donafrey. Um, she's the founder and we really became fast friends because She's also a fashion industry veteran. So she was a fashion designer before she had breast cancer. And I met her at a convention and uh, looked at her product. And at first I'm like, there is no way that's that's a post-mastectomy bra. Like it's this be- look like beautiful French lingerie. And we just we became friends right away and have collaborated on things. And uh, I'm just a huge, a huge fan of her product and always will be. And and she's just uh, a, a, an incredible um beacon of light in our community. Well, if she's still on my phone, we'll send her a selfie and she'll have her mind blown. I think we should. So we'll, we'll put links to Anna Ono and uh, Lymphedemas in the uh, in the show notes. Awesome. So just wrapping up here, I mean, this is kind of a softball question, but all right, you get breast cancer, you're lucky enough. To, I, I talk about like search engines suck to find resources, but someone happens upon you, your website, your experience. Like, I, I would imagine they'd feel empowered. What Again, softball question. What do you want them to take away from this that isn't a Hallmark card? What I want them to take away from this is that they're they're not alone and that there are ways to feel look and feel beautiful even when you feel like you're being robbed of your femininity. And I just think that there's something so scary and so vulnerable and I, like there's no other way. Like I, I, I felt like I was mu- being mugged in a way when I had breast cancer, you know, because there's such a sense of loss. But what I want to give women is hope and to, to know that they can rein their their goddess power back in and that your breasts and your hair and your lashes do not have to define you as a woman and that like your essence makes you the beautiful woman that you are. Well said. By the way, I just realized that Evan Handler is a friend of mine, so I think I match your Christian JSP story as well. <laughs> All right, everyone, do not watch and just like that. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, we're not fans. We're not fans. We're not. I mean, we're fans of the show, but we are allowed to be unfans of the third attempt yeah, at a something. I wanted to like it so much. I, I did. I gave it a fair shot. Well, Melissa Berry, cancer fashionista, Instagram, well-branded, cancer... <laughs> <laughs> Instagram well-branded, uh, cancer fashionista, fabulous stuff out there, and the host of Dear Cancer, I'm Beautiful, I'm going to quote this, bridging the gap between life-saving cancer treatment and fashion, beauty, and wellness advice. Available, I assume, wherever you get your podcast. We'll put a link in the description. I'm just so thrilled to have met you. It was karmic. I'm, I can't, like, how have I not met you? Is I know, that's what you were saying. I know, we were, like, chat, go, chatting on LinkedIn, like, what the heck? How did this not happen ever? Yeah. Well, I thank you for coming on the show. Listeners, learn more about everything Melissa's doing to help you. And it's just like, it again, it's like you're helping people have a less crappy experience. And that's advocacy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for everything that you do. This is really an honor to be here. All right, folks. See you next time. Bye-bye. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. 
The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.